Chapter Twenty Four of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One by Susan Edmondstone Ferrier. Chapter Twenty Four. In age, in infancy, from others' aid is all our hope. To teach us to be kind, that is nature's first, last lesson. Young. The neglected daughter of Lady Juliana Douglas experienced all the advantages naturally to be expected from her change of situation. Her watchful aunt superintended the years of her infancy, and all that a tender and judicious mother could do, all that most mothers think they do, she performed. Mrs. Douglas, though not a woman either of words or systems, possessed a reflecting mind and a heart warm with benevolence towards everything that had a being and all the best feelings of her nature were excited by the little outcast thus abandoned by her unnatural parent. As she pressed the unconscious babe to her bosom, she thought how blessed she should have been had a child of her own thus filled her arms. But the reflection called forth no selfish murmurs from her chastened spirit. While the tear of soft regret trembled in her eye, that eye was yet raised in gratitude to heaven for having called forth those delightful affections which might otherwise have slumbered in her heart. Mrs. Douglas had read much and reflected more, and many faultless theories of education had floated in her mind. But her good sense soon discovered how unavailing all theories were whose foundations rested upon the inferred wisdom of the teacher, and how intricate and unwieldy must be the machinery for the human mind where the human hand alone is to guide and uphold it. To engraft into her infant soul the purest principles of religion was therefore the chief aim of Mary's preceptress. The fear of God was the only restraint imposed upon her dawning intellect, and from the Bible alone was she taught the duties of morality, not in the form of a dry code of laws to be read with a solemn face on Sundays, or learned with weeping eyes as a weekday task, but adapted to her youthful capacity by judicious illustration, and familiarized to her taste by hearing its stories and precepts from the lips she best loved. Mrs. Douglas was the friend and confidant of her pupil. To her all her hopes and fears, wishes and dreads were confided and the first effort of her reason was the discovery that to please her aunt she must study to please her maker. L'inutilité de la vie des fonds et la promesse de l'eau de sodre. Mrs. Douglas was fully convinced of the truth of this observation, and that the mere selfish cares and vulgar bustle of life are not sufficient to satisfy the immortal soul, however they may serve to engross it. A portion of Mary's time was therefore devoted to the daily practice of the great duties of life, in administering in some shape or other to the wants and misfortunes of her fellow-creatures, without requiring from them that their virtue should have been immaculate, or expecting that their gratitude should be everlasting. It is better, thought Mrs. Douglas, that we should sometimes be deceived by others than that we should learn to deceive ourselves, and the charity and good-will that is suffered to lie dormant, or feed itself on speculative acts of beneficence, for want of proper objects to call it into use, will soon become the corroding rust that will destroy the best feelings of our nature. But although Mary strenuously applied herself to the uses of life, its embellishments were by no means neglected. She was happily endowed by nature, and under the judicious management of her aunt, 
made rapid though unostentatious progress in the improvement of the talents committed to her care without having been blessed with the advantages of a dancing-master her step was light and her motions free and graceful and if her aunt had not been able to impart to her the favorite graces of the most fashionable singer of the day neither had she thwarted the efforts of her own natural taste in forming a style full of simplicity and feeling in the modern languages she was perfectly skilled and if her drawings wanted the enlivening touches of the master to give them effect as an atonement they displayed a perfect knowledge of the rules of perspective and the study of the bust all this was however mere leather and prunella to the ladies of glenfern and many were the cogitations and consultations that took place on the subject of mary's mismanagement according to their ideas there could be but one good system of education and that was the one that had been pursued with them and through them transmitted to their nieces to attend the parish church and remember the text to observe who was there and who was not there and to wind up the evening with a sermon stuttered and stammered through by one of the girls the worst reader always piously selected for the purpose of improving their reading and particularly addressed to the laird openly and avowedly snoring in his armchair though at every pause starting up with a peevish wheel this was the sum total of their religious duties their moral virtues were much upon the same scale to knit stockings scold servants cement china trim bonnets lecture the poor and look up to lady maclaughlan comprised nearly their whole code but these were the virtues of ripened years and enlarged understandings which their pupils might hope to arrive at but could not presume to meddle with their merits consisted in being compelled to sew certain large proportions of white work learning to read and write in the worst manner occasionally wearing a collar and learning the notes on the spinet these acquirements accompanied with a great deal of lecturing and fault-finding sufficed for the first fifteen years when the two next passed at a provincial boarding-school were supposed to impart every graceful accomplishment to which women could attain mrs douglas's method of conveying instruction it may easily be imagined did not square with their ideas on that subject they did nothing themselves without a bustle and to do a thing quietly was to them the same as not doing it at all it could not be done for nobody had ever heard of it in short like many other worthy people their ears were their only organs of intelligence they believed everything they were told but unless they were told they believed nothing they had never heard mrs douglas expatiate on the importance of the trust reposed in her or enlarge on the difficulties of female education ergo mrs douglas could have no idea of the nature of the duties she had undertaken their visits to Lochmarlie only served to confirm the fact miss jacky deponed that during the month she was there she never could discover when or how it was that mary got her lessons luckily the child was quick and had contrived poor thing to pick up things wonderfully nobody knew how for it was really astonishing to see how little pains were bestowed upon her and the worst of it was that she seemed to do just as she liked for nobody ever heard her reproved and everybody knew that young people never could have enough said to them all this differed widely from the eclat of their system and could not fail of causing great disquiet to the sisters i declare i'm quite confounded at all this said miss grizzy at the conclusion of miss jacky's communication it really appears as if mary poor thing was getting no education at all and yet she can do things too i can't understand it 
and it's very odd in Mrs. Douglas to allow her to be so much neglected, for certainly Mary's constantly with herself, which to be sure shows that she is very much spoilt, for although our girls are as fond of us as I am sure any creatures can be, yet at the same time they are always very glad, which is quite natural, to run away from us. I think it's high time Mary had done something fit to be seen, said Miss Nicky. She is now sixteen past. Most girls of Mary's time of life that ever I had anything to do with, replied Jackie, with a certain wave of the head, peculiar to sensible women, had something to show before her age. Bella had worked the globe long before she was sixteen, and Baby did her filigree tea caddy the first quarter she was at Miss McQuack's glancing with triumph from the one which hung over the mantelpiece to the other which stood on the tea-table shrouded in a green bag. And to be sure, rejoined Grizzy, although Betsy's screen did cost a great deal of money, that can't be denied, and her father certainly grudged it very much at the time, there's no doubt of that, yet certainly it does her the greatest credit, and it is a great satisfaction to us all to have these things to show. I am sure nobody would ever think that ass was made of crepe, and how naturally it seems to be eating the beautiful chenille thistle. I declare, I think the ass is as like an ass as anything can be. And as to Mary's drawing, continued the narrator of her deficiencies, there is not one of them fit for framing. Mere scratches with a chalk pencil, what any child might do. And to think, said Nicky, with indignation, how little Mrs. Douglas seemed to think of the handsome colored views the girls did at Miss McGlock's. All our girls have the greatest genius for drawing, observed Grizzy. There can be no doubt of that. But it's a thousand pities, I'm sure, that none of them seem to like it. To be sure, they say, what I dare say is very true, that they can't get such good paper as they got at Miss McGlock's. But they have showed that they can do, for their drawings are quite astonishing. Somebody lately took them to be Mr. Touchup's own doing. And I'm sure there couldn't be a greater compliment than that. I represented all that to Mrs. Douglas, and urged her very strongly to give Mary the benefit of at least a quarter of Miss McGlock's, were it only for the sake of her carriage, or at least to make her wear our collar. This was the tenderest of all themes, and bursts of sorrowful exclamations ensued. The collar had long been a galling yoke upon their minds. Its iron had entered into their very soul for it was a collar presented to the family of Glenfern by the wisest, virtuousest, best of women and of grandmothers, the good Lady Gurnagall, and had been worn in regular rotation by every female of the family, till now that Mrs. Douglas positively refused to subject Mary's pliant form to its thraldom. Even the laird, albeit no connoisseur in any shapes save those of his kind, was of opinion that since the thing was in the house it was a pity it should be lost. Not Venus's girdle even was supposed to confer greater charms than a Gurnagall collar. It's really most distressing, said Miss Grizzy to her friend Lady Maclaughlan. Mary's back won't be worth a farthing, and we have always been quite famous for our back. <clears throat> That's the reason people are always so glad to see them, child. With regard to Mary's looks, opinions were not so decided. Mrs. Douglas thought her what she was, an elegant, interesting-looking girl. The laird, as he peered at her over his spectacles, pronounced her to be but a shilpit thing, though well enough, considering the ne'er-do-wells that were aught her. Miss Jackie opined that she would have been quite a different creature had she been brought her like any other girl. Miss Grizzy did not know what to think. She certainly was pretty. Nobody could dispute that. 
At the same time, many people would prefer Bella's looks, and Baby was certainly uncommonly comely. Miss Nicky thought it was no wonder she looked pale sometimes. She never supped her broth in a wise-like way at dinner, and it was a shame to hear of a girl of Mary's age being set up with tea to her breakfast, and wearing white petticoats in winter. And such roads, too, Lady Maclaughlan pronounced, and that was next to a special revelation, that the girl would be handsome when she was forty, not a day sooner, and she would be clever, for her mother was a fool, and foolish mothers always had wise children, and vice versa. And your mother was a very clever woman, girls. Hump! Thus passed the early years of the almost forgotten twin, blessed in the warm affection and mild authority of her more than mother. Sometimes Mrs. Douglas half formed the wish that her beloved pupil should mix in society and become known to the world. But when she reflected on the dangers of that world and on the little solid happiness its pleasures afford, she repressed the wish and only prayed she might be allowed to rest secure in the simple pleasures she then enjoyed. Happiness is not a plant of this earth, she said to herself with a sigh. But God gives peace and tranquillity to the virtuous in all situations and under every trial. Let me then strive to make Mary virtuous and leave the rest to him who alone knoweth what is good for us. End of chapter 24 Recording by Patty Cunningham